With SDPB News, I'm Crystal Mija. Governor Kristi Noem is clarifying comments that she's seen text of the U.S. Senate's highly anticipated Southern Border Security and Immigration Reform Package. Following her address in front of a joint session of the state legislature Wednesday, Noem said she's seen the, quote, original text of the bill. That's despite U.S. Senate Republican staffers close to the negotiation saying there's no way she's seen the text. When asked to clarify how she's seen the bill during a press conference the next day, Noam says she misspoke. But I did see several sections of it as it was being drafted and um, definitely saw the language and what the spirit of the element was that was being debated and discussed. And remember, I spent eight years on Capitol Hill. I got a lot of friends that serve in the Senate and friends that serve in Congress that are willing to share language with me. The fate of the Senate's bipartisan border security and immigration reform package are unclear. GOP presidential frontrunner Donald Trump has urged Republicans to reject the proposal unless they get everything they want. Noam calls the proposal a bad bill and says it should not become law. After a hearing at the Senate Judiciary Committee, South Dakota will continue the practice of executing inmates. In a morning of emotionally charged testimony, a narrow vote has kept the practice in place for now. SDPB CJ Keen reports. Scripture, Gandhi, and gory crime scene details were all quoted in arguments for and against the state's practice of capital punishment. By the end of the meeting, a lone vote led to SB 109's failure this legislative session. That bill, sponsored by Sioux Falls Democratic Senator Reynold Nessaba, would have repealed the death penalty in the state. The death penalty is inhumane. It's far more expensive than putting somebody in, in prison for life. It fails as a deterrent. It doesn't address the root causes of crime. It's been found to be biased against people experiencing poverty and people of color. It disproportionately hurts people with disabilities. It's been used as a tool of authoritarianism in other places, and it's, it's irreversible. However, key supporters still believe in the deterring effect of the practice. Attorney General Marty Jackley says there's no repercussions for an inmate with a life sentence if they kill again once inside. Jackley used the cases of Eric Robert and Rodney Burgett, a pair of inmates executed for the death of correctional officer R.J. Johnson, as an example. Both of those guys were serving essential life sentences in the prison and killed a prison guard. If you take away the death penalty, there would have been absolutely no penalty for that, and they would have kept killing nurses, other prison guards, and inmates. If you don't have the death penalty, there would have been no penalty for what he did. While Jackley frames South Dakota's use of capital punishment as sparing, statistically speaking, executions in the state happen at a rate that hasn't been seen since the 1800s. Of the 20 inmates put to death in state history, nine were executed between 1877 and 1900, and a quarter have been executed since 2007. Further, the Death Penalty Information Center tallies nearly 200 death row inmates nationwide who have been exonerated in the appeals process since 1973. While proponents say they don't believe any of South Dakota's recent executions have been of innocent people, the matter of the death penalty's finality throws a cloud over its practice. Ultimately, the bill was rejected on a 4-3 vote. I'm SDPB's CJ Keen in Pierre. Lawmakers and citizens are not solely focused on the location of the proposed men's prison in the state. At a joint appropriations committee hearing, prison staff safety and financial diligence also came up. Department of Corrections Secretary Kelly Wasco talked about the conditions for the night staff at the men's prison in Sioux Falls. 
I went to go visit staff on night shift last Monday, and I do not like the conditions that my staff are in on night shift um, because the configuration of that hallway, they have to keep the lights off in the hall. They walk past cells in the dark, um, and I just couldn't think of anything more unsafe anywhere. Despite Wasco's assurances, some citizens were skeptical. Eric Homan is a retired banker and newspaper publisher out of Canton. He's concerned about the financial aspect, especially if it comes at the expense of other budget priorities. I'm testifying today to ask that efficiency of the state's financial resources be a top priority. Project overruns and higher operating costs of the new prison will limit the ability to fund other lines in the state budget without raising taxes or worse, cutting things like education, health care, and so forth. The committee took no immediate action on the budget or prison construction issues. Senate Bill 6, which would harden the state's drug distribution laws in the event of a fatal overdose, has advanced from the Judiciary Committee. Specifically, the bill would raise the penalties for dealers of Schedule 1 or 2 drugs if a fatality is involved to a Class 2 felony. If that substance is fentanyl, that person would face Class 1 charges, which is punishable by life imprisonment. Huron Republican Senator David Wheeler says it was an intentional decision to single out fentanyl. By enhancing this, a further classification of the Class 1, uh, we are sending the message to distributors that if you are doing this, if you are using fentanyl uh, and is contributing to the deaths that are being caused by fentanyl overdoses, that we are going to punish you more severely than other drug distributors. There was opposition to the bill, namely focused on the significant jump in classification and the burden of proof. That included the possibility lower-level dealers who aren't aware of what's in their supply could be implicated. Supporters countered that argument by laying out the availability of drug testing kits for the general public. The bill passed committee unanimously. Legislative coverage is made possible with your membership by the South Dakota Bar Foundation, SDN Communications, Touchmark at All Saints, Missouri River Energy, AARP South Dakota, and Redstone Law Firm. Pipeline opponents are expressing doubt over a newly announced partnership aimed at developing a carbon sequestration project. POET, the world's largest ethanol producer, is partnering with Summit Carbon Solutions to connect several ethanol plants to Summit's proposed carbon pipeline. Summit's first application to build the pipeline in South Dakota was rejected by the PUC, but they say they believe the local partnership will help their odds when they reapply. Landowners who were sued by Summit for surveying and building rights continue to doubt the company's intentions. Brian Jordy represents hundreds of South Dakota landowners who were originally sued by Summit. He says South Dakota is continuously being attacked by big businesses who seek local control. Jordy says centralization of power in peer is evident. He says the longer people of the state continue to, quote, stay asleep, the longer they'll be fooled. The Game, Fish, and Parks Department is proposing a budget of more than $126 million for fiscal year 2025. About $7 million would come from the state general fund. Around $88 million comes from revenue generated by Game, Fish, and Parks programs. The rest comes from federal sources. 
Secretary Kevin Roebling told the Joint Committee on Appropriations the department has shifted their financial priority from projects to staff, decreasing their capital project budget. Republican Representative Chris Carr questioned how the department planned to pay for employee increases while decreasing their budget. I'd like to understand what you did the last two years and where you pulled these dollars because the governor comes in and recommends X amount of percent. We go above and beyond that to 6 or 7 percent. Then in order for you guys to do that for your employees, you need to take from your other funds and or capital projects. So, so I'd like to see what those numbers are and where you took those from. Roebling answered by stressing the importance of raising money throughout the year to cover GF&P's expenses. How we increase our revenues, we get more people into our parks. We continue to sell more camping spots, more camping cabins, our shoulder season use. We sell more hunting and fishing licenses. That's how we grow. We try to divvy things out accordingly, and we got to make sure we have the staff to operate these facilities. That's the first answer, for sure. And that is why we're reducing our capital development budget by $2 million. Roebling says fundraising efforts for the department's major projects, including a South Dakota shooting sports complex planned for West River, are still underway. The Senate State Affairs Committee passes a bill making tribal IDs viable when registering to vote. Previously, tribal identification was accepted at the polls, but not at the registration office. Senator Wheeler of Huron says Senate Bill 119 brings more voters to the current system. Great way to help resolve this issue, make sure we can uh, uh, find ways to uh, use tribal IDs when they uh, can work with the system that we have. The committee passed the bill unanimously. It next heads to the Senate floor. South Dakota airports are the gateway to the world and a tourist gateway to the Black Hills. As a result, some lawmakers want to reassess how we fund airport improvements. SDPB's C.J. Keene reports. Senate Bill 144 would create a $90 million pool for the state to invest in air infrastructure over the next five years. That breaks down to $18 million yearly through 2029. The proposal was brought by Rapid City Republican David Johnson and saw strong support in the Senate Transportation Committee. Sioux Falls Airport Executive Director Dan Lettler says while traditionally airports receive funding from the federal government, that hasn't kept pace with inflation. Construction costs, especially in the last uh, five to six years, have risen 300 to 400 percent. So there's a huge gap in, in what that uh, traditional federal funding source has been able to provide. Lettler says while over $7 billion of requests were made to the Federal Aviation Administration's Airport Improvement Program, only $1 billion was available for every airport nationwide. However, for Blair Tritle with the State Bureau of Finance and Management, the possible precedent of providing state funding was a bridge too far. High funding terminal projects at a considerably higher level than previously done and relying on general funds to fund airport terminal projects, this does represent a shift in how the state funds airports. It's not something that's normally funded through the legislature and it's not currently accounted for in the budget. When asked, Tritle declined to describe airports as infrastructure. This despite the fact Rapid City and Sioux Falls regional airports contribute nearly a billion dollars to the South Dakota economy via tourism, jobs, and developments. That's according to Lettler and Elevate Rapid City representative Garth Wadsworth. The committee was inclined to agree. Sioux Falls Democratic Senator Liz Larson says she's seen firsthand the utility of quality air infrastructure, including its use in health care. 
For me, airports are a way to can have access to these very specialized services that they are not going to get unless they have a really well-functioning airport in their area. The committee advanced the bill to the Joint Committee on Appropriations unanimously. I'm SDPB's CJ Keene and Pierre. A bill to make the state deem the names of certain tourist attractions as offensive failed in the Senate State Affairs Committee. Senate Bill 142 would have required the state to change the names of certain geographic features, including Gregory County's Scalp Creek on all official maps. Senator Reynold Nesseba of Sioux Falls says there are two reasons he wants to see this bill pass in his lifetime. It's insulting and offensive, and Sean Bordeaux has, has told us so, and we should respect and, and listen to tribal members that tell us that. Secondly, it's just bad for tourism. Like, who wants to go to a place that's named after a technique that warring parties use? Committee discussion cited lack of citizen outcry in favor of changing the name of the creek and current tourism success. The bill fell in committee with a 7-2 vote. Gas prices continue their downward trend in South Dakota. The average price is down nearly three cents to 2.75 per gallon, according to the latest Gas Buddy survey. Nationally, the price has risen slightly, around four and a half cents per gallon, up to 3.07. Analysts say the recent attacks in the Red Sea are driving the rise in prices. They expect to see a larger increase in price starting in mid-February through April or May. With SDPB News, I'm Crystal Mija. And that is your daily news update. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SDPB News. And visit sdpb.org news to stay up to date on all our journalism as it comes in. And as always, thanks for listening.